1,000 Better Stories. You're listening to 1,000 Better Stories, the Scottish Communities Climate Action Network's podcast sharing stories of community-led climate action in Scotland to help us all imagine the better and fairer future and transform what we think is possible. Welcome to our Everyday Changemakers series. We blethers with everyday people taking climate action in their communities. Hello, it's Kashka, your story weaver. Today we're diving into Del McClurg's story from the McKinch Community Council. She's the final of the five everyday changemakers I met in Inverness last September. Del wasn't on my radar like the others. I actually ran into her by chance after we both attended our northern gathering at the Merkinch Community Centre. I was exploring local nature spots and Del was heading home, both on our bikes. We connected over cycling and uh, had a great chat about the community and their work at the local reserve. I knew I had to feature her on the podcast. So we made a date to meet up the next day during Dell's Sunday afternoon shift at the reserves information point in the old ferry ticket office. After a rainy ride along the Caledonian Canal from my previous stop at the home community garden, I arrived soaked. I was quickly greeted by Dell's warm welcome and a cup of tea. Thank goodness. First, we explored the space filled to the rafters with community memories. Dell shared inspiring stories about Merkinch's involvement in Dolphin Watch, the revival of traditional swim across the Firth, Kenny's local bird rescue operation and more. There was no doubt whatsoever that she was a true Merkinch tradition bearer. Hi, so this is the kind of area that we've got in here. Uh, we use it for meetings, uh, tenants group can use it, Pigeon Club as I said use it uh, on a Friday to register the pigeons who are not allowed in the building, so they're outside <laughs> in baskets for, for flying. Hello, Hi. we're yeah. in here. Oh, right. Is it possible? Is there a toilet? Yes, come in. Oh, thank you so much. Ah, sorry. No, it's okay. I'm going to have a sip of tea. My name is Del McClurg, I'm the chair of the Merkinch Community Council. We leased this building, it was an old ticket office for the ferry boat. Uh, we use it as a visitor centre for uh, everybody, from visitors to the locals, and also as a resource for the community as well. And then all the other stuff that we do in the community, uh, you know, tackling from potholes to gathering, we're right on the doorstep of the Merkins Local Nature Reserve and on the shores of uh, the Murray Firth, the Bewley Firth and with the canal and the River Ness all come in here. So you've got quite a, a diverse waters in there, you know, from fresh water that comes down from Loch Ness right down to the Murray Firth for, you know, the salty water. And the Bewley comes in, it's fresh water as well. Do you have a favourite place in in the reserve or in your community? Could you describe it for people? Uh, I, I think probably, this is probably my favourite place because we meet everybody, 
you know, and you meet people from all over the world, you meet your next door neighbours, you know, <laughs> and, and actually people come out of their way to come down and have a wee chat and a blether and a wee cup of tea and mm. I'm here every Sunday. You Obviously know. you get quite a lot of people coming in. Yeah, yeah. Hello. and they just pop in, sometimes they just come to the door, how are you the day and so on, you know, and what's <laughs> happening, you know, and what are you up to? <laughs> Yeah, it's nice to be able to sit there and the world comes to you. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> for a chat. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd really like it. You know, I spend probably more time here than I do at home, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a it's a beautiful yeah. um, view from here as well. Absolutely. So, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, across the water and, yeah. and all that, and very sort of calm because yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. this is no, the, right. the end of the road. So. How did you get involved in terms of your personal journey into this work with Community Council and this project? Um, I was brought up in Bewley, which is 12 miles from here. And, but my, I have a lot of connections with here because we used to come through at the weekend because uh, Mum's family and that was here and her friends were here. And my early memory is playing out there in the big field where we planted all the trees. And I think back, um, you know, I remember as a child, because I was little, the field was huge, you know, and I just think, you know, I used to think, oh, brilliant, big play park could be here, you know, or whatever, do you know? I also used to think, even a wee back then, what you could do with this, but never thinking for one minute that I would be coming here to live. And, and and bring up my kids here. It just didn't enter my head. I never even thought that far. But then I was one of these terribly, terribly uh, wicked single parents. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, having a child at sort of 19, 18, 19, and then, uh, uh, then asking, asking the council if I could get a wee flat or something, you know, and eventually I did get a flat. But I was absolutely shocked at uh, what what they did to me. Um, the house was just in a mess, an absolute mess. Oh. There was no glass, there was no windows. Oh, it was boarded up with chipwood. And uh, the fireplace was just full of rubbish. The bath, which I was all chuffed about, was full to the top of washing of some sort. And there was green mould right all across the top of it. And uh, there was an old cooker just covered in grease, like somebody had emptied a chip pan over the top of this cooker. And it was all running down the side, and you try to pull it, and it's just slide at your hands, and with maggots at the back. And, and I thought, why did they give me this house? You know, is it just because I was a single parent, these horrible single parents that. Mm. they don't want to know about. Anyway, Mum came round and she said, get up to that tune house and go to the sanitary inspector. So that's what I did. And well, first of all, I said to him, my view of life is rather limited at the moment. And he goes, oh, why is that? I says, because there's no windows. <laughs> and he went, what? They put you in there with no windows. <laughs> oh, he says, well, I've got to see this, you know. And he, the inspector himself, emptied the bath and cleaned the toilets, all the human dirt all over the toilets and that, you know. And yeah. he was absolutely, he said, somebody's house going to roll for this. So I don't know 
what happened, but he did it as good as his word, he did it. But I thought, well, why were we treated like this, you know? I mean, I was always working, I was like, you know, contributing. Well, that's how I ended up um, just fighting the cause. I joined everything there was to join. <laughs> you know, I found out what's happening in the community and just joined it. You know, Wonderful. I, I met this friend Anne, who's involved in the community centre. So, and um, we used to go to Mums and Todds in one of the church halls oh. in the town. And Anne had said, "Oh, I heard there's a community council. They're trying to get people to join. Do you fancy it?" And I said, oh, "Right, put my name down." You know, so that was it. So that Anne and I are still in the community council. Like it's all forty years. Yeah. You know. So were you involved at all in organising or the planting of trees? And if you could tell me about the reserve, how that came well, about? Well, it's actually quite interesting because it's all about, as I said, like being a single parent as well. Looking for things for my kids as well. Do you know mm. what I mean? Mm. Uh, and Anne was the same. So we kind of got involved in in a lot of things to do with youngsters. We had the vision of doing something with the field, right? And something with the shore. And actually, if you go out there, you'll see a bench out there. It was 1978, and that was one of the first things we did was we put a seat there so people could watch the ferry boat go in and out. And it's always well used. But how could you get people interested in planting trees when their houses are falling apart, right? I mean, I moved from that flat after three years and I got a self-contained house. I was in there for eight years. I had newspaper all along the edge of the windows to, to keep the, the rain and the wind out. The wallpaper was held up with dry pins. You know, that sort of thing. And the heat, and you only had a coal fire in the living room. And your house was freezing, you know. And we couldn't afford a lot of hot water bottles, so we used to fill any plastic bottles that we had. <laughs> fill hot water and put in the beds. The corner of the edge of my bed was all black, mildewed, you know. It was mm. that damp, you know. We couldn't get anybody to come on board with us. Because, oh, plant trees. Have you seen the state my house is in? You know what I mean? And the uh, five years project, we worked on getting the houses renovated, right? So we, we interviewed people and we talked about, you know, like if we get the houses down, what would you like to see? I mean, I was coming home from work and going down the street, you know, with that, my, my little pad knocking on the doors. And, and so we got a lot of information and we took it to the townhouse and we presented it to the townhouse. So then they decided to demolish the whole area. Didn't get to demolish it because we stopped them. They were wanting to send us to the other end of the town. And we didn't want to leave here. We left this place. Here, this was, these houses, we uh, got them all renovated. I mean, got radiators in the houses. Wow. Do you know what I mean? And uh, new kitchens, you know. So now we've got our houses, you know. Now what? Back to here. Let's do something with this. By that time, the ferry boat was going off. Mm -hmm. 1982, they opened the bridge. What happened was, all and sundry were dumping rubbish on our shore. You know, from washing machines, coopers, black bags of rubbish. We even found a piano in the bushes at one point. We involved everybody, and you had no idea the amount of people that came out of, out of the community to help. It was just amazing. And uh, there was so much staff that we gathered that we had a skip 
and we couldn't get any more in the skip. So then we had to get the lorries. We even had the local Bobby helping mm-hmm. us, you know, our community police officer. He drove one of the lorries just to get the stuff out of the road, you know. So we took it all away and, and got a dump. And then we stood back and said, right, what do we do with it now, you know. So then we got on, but various people said, well, what about this and what about that? And there was a right, um, got onto the Forestry Commission and uh, Scottish Wildlife Trust. People like that came on board and it was great. And everybody helped. They all got back down. I mean, because I wouldn't know where to start, you know, like when we spent the whole weekend here planting trees, well, the whole week, in fact, and then we, there was a big surge on at, at the weekend to get everybody out of their houses and people that weren't working and that we spent all Saturday and all Sunday here mm-hmm. um, got the, all the trees and that done so that was quite good but also we worked with the Beach Grove Garden which is a BBC garden programme but in that programme they had what they called a community corner and they went out into the communities and maybe looked at people's different projects and they decided that ours one was one to go for so they came here the last Friday of the month, over three months, and uh, we planted 125 trees with them. And they had, it was like a shed, but it was on wheels. <laughs> they had the shed, like a tool shed sort of thing, and all this, the gear was in there. And uh, they asked me if I would go with them to go and pick up the trees. So, and it was a place over in the, um, the Black Isle that we were going to pick up the trees. Oh, that's nice because it's local, local trees yeah, as well. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So we we're over to get them from the nursery over there, and we were on them. We were on the Keswick Bridge, and I'm sitting there. I think they thought I was Carol Baxter from the BBC. <laughs> anyway, the the way planted the trees with them. Um, it all happened in the nineties, mm-hmm. you know, and that helped to take on the Highland Council, take on more, you know, because it's going to be all on the telly and it was good, you know. That's where we were at, you know, like... Hello, how are you today? I'm fine. You want a cup or anything? Or you... This is Steve. Oh, yeah. And he plagues the life out of me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't listen to what she says. (laughs) Not a word of a lie, The building was lying empty. We... Uh, we took, we got the building from the Highland Council. We had a quick meeting with them, and they asked what we were going to do. We put their proposals that it would be sort of like for information and information on the wildlife, and to get people interested and and look after the place. We want people to come in. We want people to be sociable, talk to people, and we even have caps. You're not getting paper caps here. You're in Mark Inch now. <laughs> You know? <laughs> I like it. You know? And that and it's treating people with respect. And if you treat them with respect and give them a cup of tea, you know, and milk and sugar or whatever else, then, you know, there's a bit more respect. Never had a cup going missing yet in the almost 30 years that we've been here. You know, okay. that's, that's where we're at. Um, when I say community, uh-huh. what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Well, our community, I think, you know, like all the people that live in it. And, and I know a lot of them since they were little kiddies, you know, right through. And a lot of them have grown up with my children and they went to school with my children. And it's a real community school as well, do you know what I mean? All my children went to the same school and, um, and they've still got friends. Since they were in nursery, 
they're still friends, you know, and they're in their 40s. And they're still, you know, like, and I thought that's amazing, you know. And they were all in nursery together, so it's really good, you know. And I think when people do wander away, like I left the village that I was brought up in, you do lose contact. But um, since then, Anna and I have been friends since we went to the playgroup together, Mums and Todds were. And then with that, we got involved with the community centre when they built the community centre. We were there with the bricks. And then uh, we set up play schemes and all sorts of stuff and got mums in to help you know mm. we had a group of mums who were just making costumes for the parade it's about using the skills you know like because people say well I don't know what to do you know would you like to do some painting with the parents you know? oh I can do that I right, well, on you go and so that's 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 what makes up a community you know yeah yeah um what's the biggest challenge that you've had to overcome um in your community and with this project uh-huh. and I think what, what's the lessons you'd like to mm-hmm. share with other community groups? I think fly tipping is a, a big bugbear. I think in any community it gets people wild. I just get so angry. You've got a bin. Why not put it in the bin? Why don't you throw it over the fence into the nature reserve? You know, that really wells me up. But at the moment um, I really concerned about the amount of drugs mm. that are in our area. It's just horrendous. And it's all these young people are out of their heads. They can't work. It's, oh, it's just it's just so sad. And I've got a memorial book there and the young people that we have lost in our community, mm. you know, and a lot of it's to do with drugs, drinking drugs. And why, you know, like... And we, what we need is we need help in trying to either get them off the drugs or something, get them sort of stabilised to get them into a job and everything else. And some of them have got kids as well, do you know what I mean? Mm. And then they lose their children. There's a whole snowball again, and then mm. their children go on to be users because they've had a crap life. They've been shunted from one foster carer to another, you know. So we need to get that stopped. And I think back to all the things that mum did, and sometimes, you know, when you're a bear and you don't really, really appreciate But I think of all the long walks that she took us on out into the countryside, and she would point something, you know, it could be just a little insect or something, or a different flower or something, and it just just got you there. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And I reckon that's where all it's all come from. It's all that long walks, all the way up to Komorik and right round the hills and down, you know, and and then back, get supper and then bath and bed, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, and but she was interested herself, do you know. I mean, she was interested in nature herself, you know. Like I remember going planting a tree with my mother once, and then every time we went out for a walk, we'd have a look at the tree to see how well it's. It was way back then council didn't want you to plant trees in the garden. I suppose maybe they were worried about the roots and the going mm. into the houses and stuff like that, you know. But we had a big enough garden to have a forest in it. <laughs> but Dad grew all his own vegetables as well. And I remember the corner, at the top of the corner, we had the rhubarb and then the whole side was all potatoes. 
And when you came home from school, she'd hand you the enamel basin and you'd have to go away out and get lift the ties <laughs> for supper, you know. There you go. Oh, well, that's no wonder that you've got some connection to yeah. to, to nature and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. can appreciate what it can do for, for kids. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I was going to ask you, because you're on a community council, what would be your advice for people that are involved in community councils in terms of making things happen? How do you make things happen in the I think community? you've got to get a lot of like-minded people behind you, you know, because sometimes you're a lone voice out there. And I mean, I'm getting to that stage now that that's what's happening again because we're losing quite a lot of young people, but we're also losing a lot of members, older members, you know, and uh, or they've given up. Mm. And they there's no point in going to community council. They're not, they're not what's happening. You know, likes of the roads, the usual mm. stuff. People are feeling very disheartened think what's the point and the drug scene as I said mm. in this community and I suppose it's the same in anybody else you know anybody else you just feel that you know like you're beating your head against the brick wall is, is there any point in doing anything and that's uh, the apathy is set in and that what I'd like to do is try and change that but it's very difficult and we want younger people and I, I keep saying that to my friend Anne I says you've got to be conscious and not pulling the ladder up behind you we need people coming up behind us we need these young people get off drugs and come and help plant trees do you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. I think that's sort of a situation a lot of people are in uh-huh. where they've got an active older generation and then yeah. it's really hard to engage yeah. Um, and I don't know, I mean, is there an answer to that? I do think maybe we should be doing a lot more stuff with younger children so that you're building memories for these children so that when they do get to that stage, they think, oh, I remember my mum taking us out and doing this. I remember mum mm. and dad doing that. Do you know what I mean? And I think, that's, I think that's the problem. It's because a lot of the youngsters are sitting on their iPads or whatever. Do you know what I mean? One of the mums that's down beside us, she's wonderful, and she's got f- four children. They're always away out for a walk somewhere, or taking the dog somewhere, or away out in the hill somewhere, you know. And I'm thinking, yeah, we want everybody to do that. And okay, we not all got cars, but you take them out, you know. We were fortunate enough, we had the ferry boat, so we used to take them across the mm. ferry and up onto the Ord. But, uh, you know, you've got that big field down there, you know. Well, I mean, I've never had a car, but. You know, I've had, I've had them all the way up the ord, of, uh, the ord. I've had them up Creek Fatrick, mm-hmm. away up the very top of Creek Fatrick, sliding down the hills on all the leaves. <laughs> That's great fun, you know. But you know, like when my kids were wee as well. Again, the roads maybe weren't as heavy as they are now, uh, but we cycled everywhere as well when they were old enough. I mean, I had Bethany in the back, and <laughs> you're laying on the crossbar. <laughs> And took them to swimming, you know, and they were coming and we back behind us. <laughs> and then we up to the Aquadome. Is there anything that gives you hope for the future? And for a better, fairer mm. place so that you don't have to worry about the drugs, you yeah. people more connected to nature and to each other? I don't know, I really don't know. Um, it's a hard one, that, because we so want people to listen to us and you know come on board I suppose it's just not giving up and I mean at the end of the day you know if you look at that babies in the pram beautiful little baby in the pram you know you think what are we leaving this place to you know 
to people like this little baby. You've got to look in it that way. Like, I'm not going to be here forever. We have to leave it. And, and they have to come in and take over and look after it. And that's how I feel. And I think we need to be doing more with youngsters, mm. you know, than sitting on iPads all the time. Now, I always ask people to imagine the world 10 years from now. So imagining um, the world where everybody's done as much as they can to yeah. make it a better mm. place. Mm-hmm. to live in. I want you to think about the place we're in and you live in mm-hmm. and imagine what it would smell like, uh, what it, would it taste like, what would it look like. Mm-hmm. like. You know, you're walking around and what do you see yeah. and feel? Mm-hmm. And then share one of the memories from mm-hmm. that future with us. Yeah. Uh, when you're talking about smell, <laughs> there would be no dope. <laughs> Because, you know, that's all around us, mm. you know. And lots more flowers. It doesn't have to be a big, fancy, flowery garden, but just nice little areas with plants and flowers and seating, a lot of seating areas. And people can just sit and enjoy the view and that. And this place here, you know, I'd like it to be open every day. And... Uh, be man, just a, a whole hub here of of things to do and people places to go and I think it'd be really good, you know. Uh, and there's so many nice areas, you know. It could be just fabulous. Down there, you know, have the football at one end and basketball at the other end and it just could be a real buzz. Mm. in the place. People out walking and what have you, you know. Thank you very much for taking Thank you for coming and just thank you for sharing all the amazing stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a wrap on Del's episode. Don't forget if you're ever in Inverness swing by the old ferry ticket office for a cosy chat and a cuppa. Huge thanks to Del for sharing her incredible story of personal and community resilience. And a shout out to the other Inverness changemakers we featured in this local series, Mike, Gina, John, Maria, Ian and Louise. It was a joy to be able to weave the few of the threads from the dynamic network tangle of community activism which underpins the capital of the Highlands. The threads coming from different networks but connecting on making a difference for the people, nature and climate. The threads which often remain invisible but in fact make up the true fabric of our communities coming together to bring about the better and fairer future for all of us. It goes without saying that these five stories are just a tiny taste of what's happening in Venice and beyond. Check out our show notes for networks you can join to get inspired and get involved. Join a local group and be part of the change, no matter where you are. And next week, stay tuned for the series featuring everyday changemakers in Dumfries. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like and share it with others. It'll really help us reach a wider audience. If something exciting is happening in your own community, be sure to let us know so that we can help you tell your own story. You can drop our story weavers a line at stories at scan.scot. It's scan, S-C-C-A-N, dot scot, S-C-O-T. We also offer training and mini-grant support to community storytellers. 
To keep up to date with our offerings and everything SCAN, check out our website at scan.scot or find us on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram or simply sign up to the newsletter. Thank you.